does it matter who goes to heaven? Does it matter that there are some that say everyone, and they mean absolutely everyone is going to heaven? Does it matter that some say only a certain group, that they're the only ones going to heaven? Does it matter who goes to heaven? And if it does matter, why does it matter? When I knew and God had confirmed that he had called me to be a preacher, he called me to be a pastor, I enrolled in seminary. I figured if, if I was going to say, thus saith the Lord, I better know what saith the Lord. And so that seemed like a logical thing. And so I went and I signed up for seminary. My first class, and I mean my very first class there, it was a class on world religions. And the professor was teaching, the professor was saying that God can use any faith, God can use any means for people to find him. And he was saying that, that God in his great love, and, and you got to look at his great love, and, and God in his tremendous grace, uh, that he said, God said, he didn't want any to perish. And so he was teaching that, that he could save people by any means. And this professor was saying if people find peace, if they find God through Islam, or if they find peace, or if they find God through Hinduism, or, or in fact for any other way, that we should be glad. And basically he was teaching that all people, no matter where they stand, no matter what they believe, because of God's love, because of God's grace, he was teaching all people will be in heaven. Now, in that class, there were about 30 or so, actually a, a few more than that, future preachers, future pastors. And I remember on that day, they, they were listening to that, and they were soaking that up, and they were saying, Amen. Praise God for His tremendous love. Praise God that, that nobody's not gonna, is going to miss heaven. And, and, and they were saying, Amen to that teaching. Now, I was just off of a John Deere tractor. I was working in the oil field to pay for seminary. I didn't have a PhD. I did have a degree in agriculture. But I thought on that day, the very first day, you know, there's a couple problems with this. First problem, and I, and I sat there and thought, I don't know how these guys are missing that. The first problem is this. If all of these people, in fact, if all people are going to heaven, if all roads and all means lead to heaven, why do I need to be a preacher? I guess they missed that. Second problem, and, and this was the big one, and that is this truth. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God has said. And I, I ended up leaving that seminary because of that. They, they claimed that they loved the Bible. Evidently, they just didn't believe it, or, or maybe I think they didn't even read the thing. But the question is, again for us today, does it matter who goes to heaven? And then I'll just tell you today, I am excited because it's all that I know to do. I'm excited to see what God says to this question, what God's answer is to this question in His Word, the Bible. Our message today is entitled, A Narrow Truth. A Narrow Truth. We're in Luke chapter 13 today. We're going to look at verses 22 through 27. Luke chapter 13 verses 22 through verse 27. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 
Luke chapter 13, beginning here in verse 22. God's word says this. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open up to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, and I'm thankful for, for the character that you have that does not change, that does not shift. I'm thankful that your love is tremendous, is, is great, is eternal. I'm thankful for your grace that doesn't have an end. But I'm also thankful that you're holy, and that you're just, and your justice reigns, and you not lower that standard. I'm thankful that you're faithful. I'm thankful that you're trustworthy. And I praise you today. I'm thankful for Jesus, my Savior. And I'm thankful for the truth that he gives us today. I, I pray that as we've assembled today that a supernatural thing would happen in this hour. I pray for us that are believers today, that we would grow, that we would be strengthened in our knowledge of your truth. I pray for some in this room that right now are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that in this hour, in the proclamation of your word, in the drawing of your spirit, in the circumstances of life that brought folks here, I pray that in this hour they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. I ask you to move in our midst. We tell you we submit this time to you. We love you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's look at our verses today. Let's see what God says. Verse 22. The Bible says, and it starts off, and he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. Now, see the context here in verse 22. There's a section of verses here. It's really kind of hard to make the break in the section, but the section starts off, and the, and the context is this. Jesus is going from one city, a place with a larger population, and village, a place with a smaller population, to another. That's what the Bible tells us. Really, he's going to all places. He's going to cities, and he's going to villages, and he's going to towns as he travels. Now, what is he doing? We see here in this first verse, uh, in these verses, that he's actually doing two things. The first thing is it says this. He is teaching. He is Teaching. Now, I think sometimes we can say, well, Jesus was a great teacher. And so, of course, as he travels, Jesus is teaching. But we need to be very clear here of what it means or what it says when it says Jesus is teaching. Now, understand this today. He is not teaching how to have a better life. 
He is not teaching how to have a better marriage. He's not teaching how to get along better with the people at work. He's not teaching how to have a better kid or a new kid by Friday. No, get this today. He is teaching, he is explaining that he is the Christ, that he is the Savior that, is, that has come from God and that, that through him people will be saved. He is teaching and he is revealing and he is explaining that he is the Messiah. Go all the way back to Luke chapter 4. And remember in Luke chapter 4, he says, you know, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 61, these are the things that the Messiah will do. Well, in Luke chapter 4, he says, look around, these are the things that I am doing. And so he is carefully teaching, I am he, I am your Savior, I am the Messiah. Now, that is a bold message. That is an exclusive message. Notice that. He's not teaching, well, if you don't find me, find anyway. No, he is saying, if you're looking to God unto salvation, if you're looking to God for your salvation, I am that salvation. And the Bible tells us he urgently and diligently goes place to place with that message. <clears throat> I always think it's interesting, and this is one of the, the discussions in that class, but historians tell us Gandhi loved the teachings of Jesus. In fact, they say, you know what, what about Gandhi? He, he never put his faith in Christ, but he loved the teachings of Jesus, and he loved the Beatitudes, and he, he wanted to apply the Beatitudes to human existence, and he loved the, the truth of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he would talk often about his love for the New Testament and his love for the teachings of Jesus. But the truth is, by his own mouth, he did not see what Jesus was teaching, that he is our Savior. The first thing we see, Jesus is traveling. He's going from town to town, city to city, and he is teaching. But also notice here, he is doing something else as well. Now he's going from town to town. He is teaching, but also notice here, and do not let it escape you, the Bible says he is also proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. I think sometimes we for sure read that too quickly and, and, and miss the significance of that. He is teaching. He's telling people, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the Savior come from God. I am the remedy for sin. He is carefully teaching that, but all the while, he does not miss a step, and he is proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, says that he had set his face for Jerusalem. And then here again in Luke chapter 13, we find him on his march to Jerusalem. Now, why does that matter? Listen to me today. Do not miss this today. It is in Jerusalem that for the joy set before him, he would endure the cross. Hebrews chapter 12. It is in Jerusalem that being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient unto death even death on a cross, Philippians chapter 2. It is in Jerusalem that while we were still helpless, 
at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly, demonstrating his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5. Understand today, it is in Jerusalem that they took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they crucified him with two other men, one on either side and Jesus in between. John chapter 19. Oh, but listen to me today. It was in Jerusalem that on a Sunday morning when darkness seemed to reign and when death seemed to prevail and when Satan seemed the victor, it was in Jerusalem that they entered the tomb and they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe and they were amazed. And he said, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. Behold, he is not here for he has risen. Oh, listen to me today. It was in Jerusalem that our forgiveness is wrought. It is in Jerusalem that our purchase of freedom is made. It is in Jerusalem that we are redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Praise God for the trip to Jerusalem. And so Jesus with a steady resolve. Yes, He's teaching who He is. But with a steady resolve, He marches towards the cross in Jerusalem. That's just the first verse. We're not going to get done today. Verse 23. Man, verse 23. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them. Verse 23, he's going from town to town. He's also making his way towards Jerusalem and the cross of Calvary there. And as he travels, at some point in his travels, someone says, and I think it's interesting here, it doesn't say who says it. It doesn't say what connection they had with Jesus. Were they a close disciple? Were they just a loose acquaintance? It just says somebody says, someone says, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? Now, there are two ways to take this. There are two ways to view this. And I think both of them are in play here. I think both of them are valid here. Now, the first understanding is this. The discussion of the Jewish scholars, the discussion of the Jewish rabbis, was how many, or really, who will be in heaven. And that was a long-time discussion of these Rabbis, basically they were wondering how many are chosen to be in heaven. How many are elected by God to be in heaven. And they liked to have that discussion. Honestly, I think they liked the idea of some being left out. They liked the exclusivity of it. They liked the fact that it was just going to be the Jews who would be in heaven. Or, or even not all the Jews, but just the strict Jews who would be in heaven. And so the question was for them, who or really how many will be in God's kingdom? 
And I think that's the first understanding. Some of these guys could have said, you know what, is it just a few that are going to be there? And they, they wanted to hear an answer that would exclude many. Another view, and it's also correct, is that this statement is really an observation of fact. It's an observation of fact. Now notice there in verse 23, it says, And someone said to him, Someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? Notice there that it doesn't say someone asked him. It doesn't say that someone came up and inquired of him. No, it said that someone came up and said to him, made a statement to him. And so in this understanding, it is an observation. It is a realization that as they go from place to place and as they go from city to city that the, the, the teaching of the truth of the gospel that, that most people, in fact very few people are receiving it. Very few people are catching on. And they're noticing here that instead of being a growing movement, they see the fact of the truth that this message and its subject, Jesus, they're not loved, they're opposed. They're not esteemed, they're despised. They're not accepted readily, no, they're rejected heavily. And the guy sees what's happening, the guy sees what's going on, and he makes the statement, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? Now in the verses that follow, Jesus is going to answer that. It might be a shocking answer, but very clearly he's going to answer that. We're going to stop here today after these two verses. We may be in Luke for the next three years, but we're going to stop here after these two verses. But I want us to see today two truths from the very first two verses. Two truths from these first two verses today. Now, I think these verses are important for the day that we're living in. They're important for the time that we're existing in. So we as, as God's people, we as the church, we need to grasp these truths. The first truth is this. Listen very carefully. The message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone was never popular. That's the first truth. We need to, we need to understand that. The message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone was never popular. In fact, the one who proclaimed it, the one who would go to Jerusalem to secure it, he was killed. It was so opposed. Now think about that for just a second. They killed Jesus for this message. It was for this message that he dies. They didn't kill him because he was the Messiah. They killed him because he claimed to be the Messiah. It was for this message that he is killed. Be very sure today, listen to me today, in these last days, just like in those days, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is our hope, it is our only hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is good news, and, and listen to me, it is still good news, but also be sure today, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not popular news. It's people will be despised. Its preachers will be disparaged. Its churches, those who will proclaim it, those who will actually stand upon it, they will be dismissed. And while this good news is our hope, 
And while it's still good news, it is not popular news. <coughs> that brings us to the second truth. And that is this. In light of that, in understanding that, and really in spite of that, it is good news. It is our hope, but it's not popular news. In our understanding of that, the truth is this. We have to follow Jesus. We have to copy Jesus. We have to imitate Jesus and teach the truth that man is saved by him. That salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Do you see that? We have to do what Jesus did. We have to preach an exclusive gospel. We have to preach the true gospel, that there is salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Now listen to me. Hear this very carefully today. Be very sure, as the church, as preachers, as teachers, as the church, as Christians, we teach all of the Bible. We preach all of the Bible. We apply God's truth, the truth of His Word, to all areas of our lives. We apply His Word to our homes, and we apply it to our marriages, and we apply it to our finances, and we live according to God's Word. Psalm 119 actually says we live by this Word. But listen to me today. That said, our core mission as the church, our core message as God's people is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at all cost and above all things, our message of priority, our preeminent message is there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me today, church. That is our message. All year long, this year, it's been a song that we started one of our praise and prayer services with and a song that that keeps coming back as we go through tough stuff and as we go through trials and we see the age that we live in today. Song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm sure you remember there's a line in there that says, Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, turn against me, oppose me, Go a different direction. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. I want to tell you that's already the case. I want to tell you the days and the years and the times ahead until Jesus comes again, that's increasingly going to be the case. You know what? It actually may just be a few. But though none go with us, we still will follow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for this truth, this message that you tell us, you know what, the gospel was never popular. Sometimes we want to we act like there was a time when everybody came and celebrated it. They killed the person that brought the gospel, the person that secured it. I come and I pray that we would have that understanding that we, we have a message of hope and peace and, and reconciliation. We have the only message that, that matters. We have a message of joy. 
but also that Satan is opposed to it. The world can't stand it. And it's not a popular message. But I also come and I pray that we have a new understanding and maybe a, a renewed understanding that we have to teach that truth. And we have to stand upon that truth. And, and when the temptation is maybe to, to be silent or to, to say something else or to, to take a, a, up a different subject, we have to teach that there's salvation only in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Propel us to that. Empower us for that. Make us a people of that. Make us a church of that. Though none go with us, empower us to still follow. I pray for this service that you've taught us and that we've been encouraged and we've been trained. I, I pray for some here today that, that do not have that hope, that do not have that peace. I pray that today they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. We tell you, our Savior, we love you. We stand in awe of you. We praise you. With our breath, we will serve you. We love you and we thank you. And I pray today in Jesus' name, amen.